Salutations to Combo Nation. Punch down on that subscribe button, man. And turn the AC down. Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 224. You heard that, right? Episode 224 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Go rate and review Combo's Court wherever you consume your podcast content. Today's show, Dave Dufour of The Athletic returns to Combo's Court. Always great talking basketball with Dave, friend of the show and co-host of The Athletic's Nerder She Wrote Podcast. A great podcast. Go check that out. You could find Dave on Twitter at Dave Dufour NBA. That's D-A-V-D-U-F-O-U-R-N-B-A. You could find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E. T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Dave Dufour of The Athletic, welcome back to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, you know, got my coffee going. I'm, I'm ready for action. How's the dog? Is everything good with them? Yeah, not bad, actually. This is this is like one of the longer stretches that my dogs have gone without costing me significant amount of money. So, um, yeah, that's good. I haven't had any kind of weird, you know, medical issues pop up in like six months. So, Do you miss anything about wrestling, Dave? Uh, No. <laughs> nothing no i mean listen uh the stuff that i miss about wrestling is like you know i did i did all this stuff with my best friends right so i have some of the best memories of my life pretending to beat up my my best buddies traveling around in in cars that smelled like you know sweat and funk because you didn't always have a shower uh, going to Denny's at 3 a.m. after on the way home from a show in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. Um, that's the stuff I miss. I miss being in front of a crowd. Yeah. And, cutting, well, the cutting, performing. Yeah. yeah when, when you were cutting promos, I mean, that must help with what you do today, right? Oh, sure. Sure. I like that experience, like being a professional wrestler, owning my own wrestling company, uh, writing shows, writing scripts, doing lighting, doing sound, doing audio, doing video, uh, doing promotion, you know, doing radio. All of that stuff has informed all the skills that I that I have for life. Right. Like I, I learned everything I know how to do uh, as it relates to, you know, media and, and being in the public from being a professional wrestler. And coaching and just your experience with basketball. I mean, that helps with yeah. what we do today, too, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm used to uh, speaking with authority about the sport. Yeah, most definitely. All right, let's shift to basketball. Uh, I guess that's why we're here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Giannis, man, like, I've been, you know, somewhat critical about his game over the years, but, you know, the super max is well-deserved. I wanted to ask you, like, what do you feel the ripple effects are with him signing the Supermax throughout the league. I think a lot of uh, television programming has been altered. 
right? <laughs> De- I mean, definitely at the major platforms. Right? It's one less segment that you get to run. And, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it changes a whole lot, man. Like, I never expected that guy to leave. Really? You know, every, he was so effusive in his praise of the city of Milwaukee. I mean, I just, I think that people don't take athletes at face value enough because we're so cynical now that everything is about somebody's brand or money or a fucking championship ring or whatever it is that, that people have decided players are about. And to the point where even the ones who are extremely genuine all the time, which Giannis is, we just ignore the stuff that he's saying. There was a social media post like two months ago where someone you know, posted, it was like asking a question, what's the most beautiful city in the world? And Giannis, it's not like, He's doing PR during the offseason for the city of Milwaukee. And he says, Milwaukee, you have to come see it. Like, I, I just, that guy loves it there. It's clearly his home. He feels like it's home, which is amazing. Like, that's, that's great. It makes me feel a lot better about America. But everybody just ignored all that because of the narratives that they've created in their own head. Oh, well, he wants to win. Well, he's winning. He's there. Yeah. He's winning. Players want to play with Giannis. It's great. It's a good thing. Uh, you know, the relationship with Masai. Okay, great. But how many people were making a decision, a free agency decision on who the GM is? Not yeah. many. Not many. I, I just I just think like, again, people are going to come up with what they want, but the cynicism attached to it uh, has driven people to, to expect things that we maybe shouldn't. We're overlooking what this guy has been saying. The entire time. Let me ask you this. Do you think the Bucks and him knew what they were going to do all along? And they kind of like strung the league along a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah. Cause if that was that case, then he would have signed next summer because he could have and gotten the exact same money. That's true. So, so I think if the, if the plan was to, to just drag it out, that's how they would have done it. Yeah. Cause uh, this changes free agency a lot. I mean, this changes team's direction you know they were going to change they were going to change everything they were going to do to try and get this guy yeah well miami toronto and dallas have you know stockpiled this cap space for a guy that's not even going to be there which there are worse things um you know there are worse things in the world than having an open book right like that's a good thing uh so um it's uh i think it screwed up some team's plans but doesn't bother me. That, yeah. I mean, that's that's the game, right? Like, that's the actual game. If you want to talk about the front office game, you're trying to anticipate what's going to happen. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, think about the Warriors, right? Like the Warriors get Kevin Durant. And all of yeah. that was set up because of some accidental things that kind of happened along the way. Steph Curry having the ankle I- injuries, signing that cheap contract and a historic cap spike kind of occurring within a, a couple year window and happened to coincide with the year that Kevin Durant's a free agent. Dumb luck. Yeah, yeah. So. It, it, it's interesting because the Warriors, they're like an example of a team that tried to get better even though they were already great and they got a lot better with KD. And you see that with the Lakers now. How do you think this team will look this year? And I think this team might be able to make the playoffs if LeBron and AD didn't even play. <laughs> That's the funny thing. I don't think so. You don't, I don't think, think so? so. Well, okay. How about how about one of them? How about if it was just one of them? Yeah, if it was one of them, because yeah. they're they're top five players in the league. You know, yeah. um, 
exactly. I, like LeBron, LeBron could pretty much carry anybody to to the, at least the the conference finals. Um, I, I just you know that team. It's it's a lot of good role players around two just incredible transcendent players. So I I'd pump the brakes on the they make the playoffs thing. I know Taylor Horton Tucker has been good in the preseason, but you know let's all relax. Well, yeah, him I, like the two players that I look at that could like change the dynamic of the team. I mean, how much changing do, do the Lakers really need? They came off a championship, but like if MPJ makes a crazy leap, and if even if Taylor mm-hmm. makes a leap, I mean. Those guys could really change, and you could probably add in some other guys. They could I mean, really yeah. change the dynamic of it's, those it's every year, right? Like, uh, yeah. if Andrew, if what if Andrew Wiggins takes a leap? You know what I mean? Like, I, I could do this all day. Um, Michael yeah, I think, Jr. but I think we see things bubbling with those two, right? I, I agree. Well, Michael Porter Jr. has shown so much and he's so young, and uh, you know, I honestly I don't have a good read on Taylor Horton Tucker because I just haven't seen like I need to see him play real NBA minutes. I this is how I feel about all young players and rookies in general, I have an idea, right? Like, cause I've seen them play basketball, but there's a difference between, and as you know, leagues matter. And, yes. and there's a difference. I mean, you can watch a guy absolutely dominate in the Adriatic league. Yes. Ante Zizic, for instance, dominated in the Adriatic league. And he comes to the NBA and it's like, oof, oof. Yeah, but that yeah, that's why I get excited. Like, I don't want to overreact with these rookies, but that's why I get excited yeah. when I see guys that might like, like look at Poku, right? Right. It's, I it's was just, more fun, man, to be excited. Like, this is like my whole thing is I, I, I want to get rid of cynicism in in basketball media because it's so much like the sport is so fun and people yeah. by just oh, let me hate on this thing. Like it's way easier, like it's so easy to hate on stuff. And to me, it's so much more interesting and fun to celebrate stuff like let me look at the good stuff and certainly we can talk about the bad stuff because there's always going to be bad stuff with every single player but for right now with these young guys especially you know all the rookies that we've seen in preseason Taylor Horton Tucker man he's really showing a lot and there are things that are not good but man the stuff that he's showing is great now I want to see how it translates into real games yeah and when I saw Poku, like we knew the we know the leagues, like how they are overseas and where he was actually playing. And yeah. just to see him feel comfortable, I know it's a preseason game, but well, that's very killer. that's very <laughs> that's very encouraging. And also Maladon, like that didn't look like a fluke game that first game. No, no, Maladon looks way better than I expected. And Poku, right. Poku, you know, honestly, like from a personality standpoint, I knew Poku would fit in. Like I, he's got that thing. I mean, and it's the same thing that Mario. But Dave, you had. saw where he was playing, so you never really know. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. So uh, here's what I'll say about Poku: like the skill stuff, that like you can see that on the court, even against players. Like I can see that against no one. The, his fluidity of movement, yeah, yeah, shot, the way he handles the ball. But then you get to see sort of some of the court vision, and and you can say, okay, what well, he's throwing to players. But look at the looks, you know, that he's that he's giving them. Look at the reads that he's making. All right, I can see all that. The stuff that you can't see is how do you hold up physically? And we saw he kind of got shoved around a little bit, but he didn't back down. And so the confidence, the confidence right, is there. Exactly. And that, that was one of the things that I loved about Mario Hazonia was the confidence, but he just didn't have the rest of the game. Um, and I, I now I expected him to develop and he just didn't. But the Euro guys that come over and have success, almost all of them have that same confidence. You, you There is no um, no one is ever questioning the successful European guys drive or effort 
it's just, I, I think that like they have to take it to a whole nother level to be successful here. Yeah, like Milos Theodosius. He's like smoking cigarettes probably before the game, but you know, hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. Like that was not that was not a serious like let me come over and win a championship type of uh you know a- approach for Milos for sure. Um and, and honestly, like he just came over so late in his career. Yeah, you what know? a gifted passer, man. It's incredible, man. Like you know, one of the most fun passers I've ever seen in my life. Talking about fun passers, though, you know who I'm about to segue into now. Facundo Compasso? Well, him and Melo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, Lamelo, I've just been talking about Compasso a lot. Uh, Lamelo, man, look, there's another guy that I watched his first game, and, you know, the shot sucks. It, it yeah. does bad. But there's yeah. so much positive to, to take from that game. Like, I don't know how they're not going to play him a, a lot of minutes because – he has clearly infected that team with yes. sharing the ball, with looking like everywhere. They had the ball popping, man. And and Lamelo is, I think he's just one of those types of players that it's so fun to play with him that you want to try to emulate that a little bit. And yeah, and- don't you think he, it looks like he's having so much more fun than Lonzo? Oh God, man! You know, well, he's just loose. Yeah, and I, and I think that the pressure, like he's dealt with the pressure so much better than than lonzo did because i think that he got to see what lonzo went through yes and 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 learn from that so you know he's benefiting from his brother kind of blazing the trail there um but also he's just a better player you know his handle his handles better and maybe not even well there's some things that lonzo does there's some things that lonzo does better yeah yeah i'm walking that back immediately but yeah (laughs) like he's not as good of a defender as lonzo but not as athletic not i can't even score as well right uh we'll we'll see yeah the thing is that Lonzo doesn't have the touch that LaMelo has. Yeah, you're right. Yep. And and Lonzo is a hesitant shooter, which yes. LaMelo sucks at shooting, but at least he's going to shoot. So, you know, usually and and Seth will laugh about this if he listens, but uh a a good shooter will let you know if he's a good shooter. But yeah. I worry with with LaMelo that maybe this is just a well, I have so much confidence that it doesn't matter if the ball goes in or not, which is great. What a great asset to have. But yes. at a certain point, it'll it'll be a detract uh, detraction for him. But uh, I just think that when you've got a guy with the sort of basketball genius level court vision and passing ability and handle that he has, he's going to find a way to be on the court. Yeah, I was high on Halliburton this draft. Well, what was Seth and uh, Moe's thoughts on his game? And Wait, uh, you mean coming out of college or what yeah. he's done in preseason I mean, coming out Both. of college well he's just he's a swiss army knife type of guy yeah man. like he fits in perfectly next to fox um yes you know I, I watched a little bit of that game last night and and really loved what i saw out of looks him. like a great teammate too yeah and and also like nba ready ish body so like the, yeah. the learning curve <laughs> is not you know what i mean that's the, yeah, that's the kind of <laughs> that matters that people just don't think about like he's gonna hold up to the physical part uh, I think he and Fox is going to be a pretty dynamic playmaking duo. It, it's going to be like, that's a, you, you watch him play and it's like, God, man, he could have been great on the warriors, you know, yeah. but, but immediately, like he could have been a starter immediately and you could have plugged him right in and, and he probably would have just seemed like he'd been on the team for a couple of years. He's got that kind of basketball IQ. So um, yeah, I'm big on him. I, I think he's going to be great. I hope, I hope Sacramento is decent, man, because uh, they've got a couple of guys that are just so fun to watch, and I'd like to see them more. I feel like the Hornets and them are just like fun, you know. 
the Hornet, man, I had, <laughs> I had a scout that I trust, uh, text me after watching the Hornets the other night and say, Hey, listen, I know you're going to say this is crazy, but I think, I think Charlotte's a playoff team, like a real playoff team. And I said, I think you're crazy. <laughs> in the east like, in the east yeah. well but the east is tougher than you think right you got yeah the, the top of the east we by the way know. i get to i got to watch your team philly yesterday and and when i watch man when i first of all first and foremost when i watch ben simmons play i just i'm just like a lot higher on them than everybody else i feel like philly oh i, I have no, philly, going philly no and ben like i just feel like oh, he, yeah. he's he's closer to the top 10 than people think um yeah the offensive stuff is still still holding him back I, I think he's but don't he's don't you feel people focus on that and not look at all the things he can do oh no no i agree and it's actually yeah. one of the points that i make a lot about ben is that you know you, you miss the 95 percent of basketball that he's awesome at i mean yeah he's, exactly he's one of the five best defenders in the league and he can defend anywhere on the court he can he can be a help defender he can protect the rim like he's just so good at so much stuff he's great in transition it's the half court offense that things start to get a little tricky. But what I saw from them, like in the first half, because I didn't watch all of it because it's preseason. I watched Dave. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, that's what synergies <laughs> for, man. I'll, I'll I'll go through all those Ben Ben time Simmons. management. You need some time for the dogs, that's you know? Right, man. Yeah, I'll go through all those Ben Simmons as the role man <laughs> things. Uh, but I liked what Doc was doing to get him moving. Yes, like catching the ball on the move, going toward the basket. Now, what what I need to see him to do is see him start doing is being aggressive, actually going to the rack instead of looking for the pass out of that. Because, again, the guy is a gifted athlete like he should be. I mean, he should be able to dunk on a lot of people just moving at the basket, catching the ball. I kind of love that he finishes a lot without dunking because those are the those are the type of finishes you need in the playoffs. But he doesn't have the touch. This is the thing. Well, better than Giannis, right? Better than Giannis. Uh, disagree. I disagree completely. Like he with floaters and touch shots and tough layups that aren't right at the rim, you think Giannis doesn't is better have, at that? I think Giannis is way better than that. Uh, wow. Ben is Ben is right-handed, man. Look, look at how like he won't go left inside. Uh, he had an opportunity in that game in the first half to to hit a nice little left-handed hook, like out of a out of a semi-transition post up. He got he got into the middle. Defense was there. Turned his back. Now he kicked it out, but he could have just spun to his left and essentially had a layup, but he just won't do it. And so until he starts doing those types of things, the, the three-point shooting is going to be an issue. But if he would just pick up the, the easy points, shoot better than 61% from the free throw line, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if he could just do that, then it doesn't matter if he shoots a three or not because he's going to score 25 points a game on easy stuff, but he's not driven to be that kind of guy. He really wants to elevate his teammates like that. I, I personally believe that is his basketball philosophy. And so it doesn't matter to him who puts the ball in the basket. And there's honestly, like, I respect that. I, I, I don't think that that's bad for the game itself. It just puts a, a ceiling on Ben Simmons. That's artificial. And so until he breaks out of that and, and starts looking to get some buckets, you know, he is what he is, which is a top 25 or so player who can absolutely be the second best player on your team. I believe if you have at some point, if you have championship aspirations, uh, but is better suited as the third guy, if he's not going to try to score. And so when you look at what Philly has, I think Tobias Harris is like a third guy, maybe a fourth guy. Embiid is clearly a number one guy. Mm -hmm. and, and so they may be a guy short from being able to win a title, 
They have one, I feel like they have one glaring weakness, and that's that? a guy that could create their shot when the shot clock is running down, especially in the playoffs. I feel like they need that. Well, so Embiid is that guy, right? Embiid is probably their, their best shot creator. Yeah. Um, and, and getting those Embiid post-ups are going to be great because he's the best at it in the league. But yeah. I think by the time the playoffs roll around, Tyrese Maxey is going to be that guy. Yeah. I think he – absolutely. I think, I think that we're going to see him break his way into the starting lineup. And it's going to create some some very good lineup balance for them where Seth Curry is coming off the bench. And now you've got a, a lead ball handler and initiator sliding Ben Simmons out of that spot and kind of into the more, you know, secondary guy catching on the break. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doing all the things that Ben Simmons just excels at. They're going to be like a super Andre Iguodala. They are going to be a nightmare. Yeah. If everything breaks right. And Tyrese Maxey is able to break into the starting lineup. I loved what I saw. I watched his highlight package this morning because that guy can, he can just play, man. That floater is just beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and shake and Seth have to contribute to that, that creation of shots, right. In the playoffs when the shot clock is going down. Yeah, exactly. These two guys, uh, KD and wall, they're looking good, right? Don't you think, don't you think Dave? Yeah. Uh, I am. I'm pretty happy with this, man, because yeah. the Achilles, we all rightfully view it as a career killer. But maybe not in 2020, guys, right? Maybe not. You know, it's got me thinking, man, look, I've been dealing with some Achilles tendonitis for like a year and, you know, I'm about to turn 40. And so I'm like, God, too many I'm figure so four leg locks. Wait, what was your what was, what was your finisher? What was your finisher? As an elbow from the top. Oh, right, OK. Right. OK. All right. Macho. You know. right, gotcha. Um, But but uh. You know, I get I get nervous about it, but now I'm watching these guys. I'm like, man, maybe I just need to blow my Achilles, get this thing fixed, and come back like new. Kevin Durant, uh, right away, I, it was what two minutes in the game where he gets that dunk, and I could turn the game off because I got to see it. He's got his first step. Not to be a party pooper, wait, that that help defense was horrible right there, huh? Oh, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, it's it's the preseason. You, you right, know, right. You don't watch the defense. Right, just, exactly. All I'm so all I'm trying to get out of out of preseason is physical stuff. No, and he's right. moving well laterally. Like mm -hmm. if you saw him play, you wouldn't think he's coming off an injury. Like if you didn't know. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's just it's really interesting to me how great these guys look when you know they had all this time off and coming back from a major injury. Wall and and Kevin Durant look as good as they did before they got injured. And it's, it's insane. I guess that extra layoff time has really helped them. I wonder if this informs Achilles injuries going forward. I mean, we're going to have guys that, that had a lot less time coming back, you know, got Rodney hood and Dwight Powell. I wonder if we can try to compare where they are to how they were before they left and, and yeah. see if that extra time has really aided Katie and, and John wall. But yeah, both of those guys look great. Uh, Kevin Durant is like my pick for MVP. Yeah, I think it could be him or Luca. Uh, Luca's like dropping twenty-seven when he's out of shape, which is pretty funny. But uh, the Nets, like, do you feel they're the favorite to come out the East? Or I mean, the defense is the issue with them, I think. But offensively, man, they're just they're dangerous, and the fit of the roster is a little bit of a concern. Like, is Shemit and Joe Harris going to have to log a lot of minutes? Because I don't know if Karras is the right fit with them. Or even Dinwiddie, you know. I mean, they need some guys that can that can be effective without the ball in their hands, right? And and I don't think Karras or Dinwiddie are going to be great at that. Um, Karras has not been good at that 
at all in his career. Yeah. Spencer, Spencer does some other stuff and, and he's got so much size that I think that uh, you can find. Well, what do you feel his natural there? position is though, Dave? What Spencer? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a, he's a combo guard. He's just, okay. Big, okay. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, you know, he is, he's obviously a wing defensively. He, he you know, you can't yeah. put him on, Definitely. on opposing point guards. He'd just get roasted. But um, if he can play off the ball, which he's not great at, but if he can play off the ball effectively, then, then I see more utility there just because of the added size. He's a good rebounder, good passer. Um, Lavert, man, it just seems like, I thought he was going to wind up in Detroit. He would have been perfect there. And you could actually, you know, you could see where he could fit with Jeremy Grant going forward while they're waiting for Killian Hayes to kind of develop. But then again, he's getting, then he'd get in the ways of, of Killian Hayes developing. So Karis kind of feels like the odd man out. I'm not really sure what the market is for him. And I, everybody's just waiting to trade for Harden anyway. Yeah. So who do you like coming out of these? Like if you had to make your pick today. Philly. I'm picking Philly, man. Um, you know, I, I like the Bucks, and I know that the Bucks are making some changes to their offense, and obviously Drew Holiday is a big upgrade. But, you know, I'm thinking about that Philly team from two years ago that really they were one crazy bounce away from a conference finals and potentially a finals run. Um, I think this team is really good. I think they got a lot better from last year. Ben Simmons being healthy is huge. Uh I'm a believer in Tyrese Maxey. I think that if he plays well enough that he is getting starter level minutes by the playoffs, Philly can make the finals. Yeah. And obviously health is always a thing. Right. When you're with Joel. Yeah, Yeah. of course. Yeah. Dave, great stuff, man. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you, Dave? Where can we Uh, find you on social media and everywhere else? uh, I mean, it's just Dave before NBA everywhere. Um, And then, basically every podcast that comes out on the athletic. I know. How many podcasts are you doing a week, Dave? Tell me uh, a lot. I, I don't yeah. even know. I honestly don't know. I, I did four yesterday. I'm doing four today. Four, including mine or four, four including yours. Yeah. And I'm, what? you know, and I'm writing and yeah, it's fun. Good stuff, Dave. Uh, Dave, yeah. you're always welcome back on the show. Make sure you go check out nerder. She wrote and what a great pod is Ric Flair, the greatest wrestler of all time. Oh man, this is gosh, this is such a layered discussion that would take hours but a uh, quick answer well he's certainly one of them yeah like yeah. He, rick flair is one of the five best ever and and so much of it's era dependent and and you're going to get different answers depending on on where people are from how old they are obviously matters yeah well um, rick flair was before my time but i i think i still might have him as the best you know i mean like, I, I would I, say, I would say stone cold is probably my favorite but yeah but i Matt grew flair. up i grew up in Richmond in the eighties and nineties. So, um, Southern wrestling, Rick. Yeah. Flair. I mean, you know, NWA I up, was your thing, huh? Literally grew up with Ric Flair on my TV every Saturday. So, um, I got a soft spot for Ric Flair. Uh, but I, I think macho man is always overlooked when people talk about the greatest wrestlers ever. He was a little bit neurotic to work with apparently, but, um, that guy, that guy delivered. So, uh, but yeah, Rick, he's definitely one of them. Those shoes look awesome. I would never wear them, though. <laughs> Great. So I told you we'd talk wrestling next time you were on, and we did there it. We go. got it done, there Dave. Dave, thanks a lot, man. You're always welcome back and talk soon. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Episode 224 is in the books. Hope you enjoyed, and thank you to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. And big shouts to Dave for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button.
button if you haven't already. Rate and review Combos Court wherever you listen to the show. Also, if you have Instagram, take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your IG stories, tag me at 1-2-Combo, I'll repost it, and be on the lookout for episode 2-2-5-Combo out.